The savings rock when you find a new way to roll. Like sharing the ride to work. Even if you're commuting just a few days a week, commuter connections can match you with others who live and work near you. It's easy and free. Plus, you can get cash and other rewards for carpooling, up to $600 a year. Get rolling on a new way to work with Rideshare. Register today at commuterconnections.org or call 1-800-745-RIDE. That's commuterconnections.org. Some restrictions apply. The new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Games from the Virginia Lottery are here. The Scratcher gives you the chance to win up to $100,000. The online game gives you the chance to win up to $1 million. For more information, visit valottery.com. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. Hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Travis. It's a sad day in America. Imagine there's no pizza. Imagine there's no pizza. R.I.P. Herman Kang. Donald Trump did kind of kill him. Donald Trump murdered (laughs) Herman Cain. Unfortunate. This is Herman Cain singing. I, you know, I, I woke up. Oh, we don't want to miss this. I love this song. He has a great voice. He has a, a very preacher. Yes. Uh, like. Perfect. All right, there All it is, right. Herman Cain. You have got to Google YouTube. You got to Google YouTube. And then when you get to YouTube, you got to search Herman Cain. Imagine there's no pizza. He has recently passed away, I believe, 73 year young. Uh, the former CEO and founder of Godfather's Pizza, presidential candidate from 2012. The man who uh, ran a campaign uh, based upon the 999 deal. And, uh, you know, he did make some, uh, he made some waves he, uh, in 2012. What a fascinating, what a fascinating life. You, you somehow managed to eke out an existence where you find the most popular food in America and you sell that food and you get rich. Yes, you do. Godfather's Pizza. It holds up. Not the worst pizza, not the best pizza, but indeed it is the Godfather's Pizza. I had a chance to meet Herman Cain one time at Fox News and I told him and I said, Mr. Cain, I love Imagine There's No Pizza. It makes me laugh and smile. I think about it all the time. I think about that song constantly. Well, we and were... he looked at me as if I was mocking him, but I can't really talk to him about anything else because politically I'm just, I think he's not really in the right. Of course, Donald Trump, he very well may have uh, gotten COVID-19, the coronavirus, at Donald Trump's Tulsa rally. That is very possible. The, the timeline, timeline works. works. Yeah. Of course, uh, he should never have been out at the Tulsa rally rally herman cain is a prime candidate to be killed by covid the man was a cancer survivor he was elderly definitely someone who should have been wearing a mask however he refused and now covid has another victim god must have needed some pizza i i woke up the other day and heard that we had experienced an earthquake I did not wake up for this. I did not wake up either. Thank God. And I woke up and I thought, wow, I'm glad that the earth didn't open up and swallow me whole. And then I got immediately, I got a headline that Herman Cain had died. 
and I kind of wish that the earth did swallow me. Indeed, what is the point? He was 74 years old. Uh, this is according to the official website. It says, we're heartbroken and the world is poorer. Herman Cain has gone to be with the Lord. Of course, Donald Trump also tweeted uh, condolences and things like that. Not that it really matters. Once again, it's very possible. The well, actions of President Donald Trump has taken one of his own. I don't know if you were the advocate that is. Remember Mr. that Kane. tweet. The way that that first tweet ends is I just got off. He did you did you read this? Uh, no, I did not see that. So he he says uh, Herman Cain, great man, loved his pizza, and then at the very end of that tweet, he says, "I just got off." Dot dot dot. Well, off the phone with well, his wife. Well, then he finishes it up with yes, but we it was great to see it was great to see the the president just relax a little bit after after seeing that he murdered someone. He basically turns into a processed serial killer. Yes. No. Now now I can ejaculate for the first time in five years. I killed I killed I basically killed my bebop a rock steady and. I got oh. off. I just, I just, I just came. Well, he's coming like crazy if killing people is what gets him off. God knows that. So Herman Cain, R.I.P. Well, another thing, a I, life I, lived. Not just uh, imagine there's no pizza at the when he was kicked out of the Republican primaries yes. in 2011. He did give a speech. Uh, that he did acknowledge, he, he ripped it from the Pokemon movie. He did, yes. And uh, so we have, uh, this is a guy who loves pizza, Pokemon, and, um, and extreme freedom. sports, which is what I would consider oh. going to a Tulsa rally uh, during a coronavirus <laughs> well, pandemic. He was, he was so he was really of, one of the guys. He was one of the few that showed up. Of course, that Tulsa rally ended up with around 6,000 people, and they estimated a million was going to show up. So let's just say that is in the category of an oopsie when it comes to booking. If you book an event that's expected to get a million and only 6,000 people show up, I think it's safe to say that event is an abject failure. Speaking of abject failures, we have a lot to get to today. We're going to talk about the Heels Act. Uh, we're going to discuss Donald Trump's most recent appeal to suburban housewives. That's his term, air quotes, housewives. Uh, kind of a retro is he, uh, kind of a retro version of, is he of what the out, modern uh, family is. Is he passing out Dexies? To... I, I don't know. <laughs> um, and of course, we are going to talk more about uh, affordable housing and how important that is for our country. As we see uh, tent cities popping up all over the country, the middle class getting squeezed to the point where it no longer exists. The wealth disparity, which if you're a billionaire, that's the last thing you want because then you're going to have a whole boatload of poor people extremely pissed off without the middle class buffer, which is really what this entire country uh, this is what our economic system is predicated upon, a large middle class, a thriving middle class. And as we see, it is neither of those things right now, although you could argue the past three years of the economy was doing well. It was humming along. But we will see how long it takes to get back to where we were. We see these 10 cities popping up all over the country because affordable housing is not just not being promoted. It is being actively dismantled by this Trump administration. So we are going to talk about uh, the importance just for the society as a whole for affordable housing. You can't demonize everyone uh, in these tent cities uh, taking action into their own hands when they don't have a job and they can't afford to pay rent even if they did have a dang job. So this is something, this is the culture war come to life economically for millions and millions and millions of Americans when they hear Donald Trump doing away with affordable housing they are going to be devastated. Yeah. And again, this is just a way to continue 
uh, segregating the population based upon economics. Oftentimes, economics also fall along racial lines. Uh, so it's sort of a twofold situation with Donald Trump, with the culture war, and pushing forward when it comes to doing away with affordable housing at a time where we need affordable housing more than ever before. We should also mention something interesting happened this week uh, in the House. With, uh, the four leaders of the tech masters of the universe yes. that, that control our online experience. Was Jack there? Jack was not there. So oh. this is so I know you have quite an axe to grind with Twitter. I hate Twitter. But they are they are not a part of the problem as okay. it as it pertains to this situation, which is um so the House Antitrust Subcommittee invited uh the CEOs of Google, Apple, Amazon, and Facebook. Ooh, what a diverse group of people that must have been. To a Zoom call on a giant like on a giant yes. uh, prompter, they they spoke to these four guys, um, the most charismatic men uh, on the <laughs> internet. <laughs> you know, the people that created social media, my God, they exude charisma. But what they they invited these four tech giants to the boom boom room to basically. To basically let them have it, uh, because what is happening is that all these sort of different there's like four elements that make up the internet, social media, uh, e-commerce. Yep. Um, App Apple is don't forget in, in porn. our pockets. Porno, uh, porno controlling us is the sort of the the gateway, the portal to the internet. Yes. Uh, and then uh, Google is sort of the uh, the platform upon which everything rests in, in, in terms of search and, uh, and finding things. And then, of course, the overarching thing that all of uh, tech has in common is data collection, and they are aggregators of data. We are the data, which is why you have somebody like Andrew Yang talking about a universal basic income, which is why this has a lot more steam now than it did before, because people are realizing Mark Zuckerberg's of the world are multi-billionaires, and they are selling human beings, much like the movies. The Matrix, and it's it's interesting this this uh, meeting, which which was like five hours long, mostly because every like Jeff Bezos gave like a half an hour presentation about how he came from you know he he they basically gave sob stories to like give right. themselves origin stories like my mother was bald, my father was bald, I am also bald, and that's why I deserve to have control over Amazon. But uh, they both Republicans and Democrats both visibly upset and like hating all four of these CEOs. Well, that is one of the interesting Venn diagrams of disdain when it comes to American politics. Everyone can get along or everyone can get behind the idea that these corporations have way too much power. Uh, Donald Trump, I mentioned Twitter, one of the areas I have in common with Donald Trump, and I hate to admit that, he also uh, is upset with Jack but I actually don't think that they, we're not upset for the same reason, because I don't believe that what happened with Twitter, the uh, the militarization of Twitter, the the purposeful political propaganda site that it became, maybe not as bad as Facebook, but Donald Trump and Twitter has been a very dangerous combination for American democracy as he can just tweet about. Maybe delaying the election, or maybe let's have the election uh, tomorrow. The man just tweets so many things that are so extremely dangerous if you take them literally at face value, and you kind of have to because he is the freaking president. Twitter, I mean, Twitter is one thing, but the thing that this subcommittee is trying to stop because it's become so obvious is the monopolization of yes. these different corners of the internet, right? Twitter. Under the guise Twitter of free market. Sucks. Twitter sucks. But, the, but but to that point, Travis, that's under the guise of free market, which is why we're in this late well, stage capitalism that we're what, in right now. Everything 
everything that the every complaint that uh, one of these uh, house people house committee members brought up the retort from these CEOs is it's the free market but it's um, not the but free it's market. not the free market and there's there is this back and forth where uh, you house- know it's like it's like when you have when you're going to the airport right you're at your airport interesting okay and you have the moving floor the oh yeah yes you have the moving floor so these guys they're on the moving floor and this this floor is cranked up and they're also still running so they're running at a full sprint as full sprint with the moving floor boom catapulting them all the way to uh, whatever terminal they want to go to to fly to whatever golden island they want to live on. Meanwhile, we are just on the regular floor, and no matter how hard we sprint, no matter how fast we try to run, you're never going to be able to keep up because they have an obvious advantage. Well, one of the differences, because I've watched a little bit of this uh, this committee hearing, one of the differences between this one and former kind of hour-long railings against like Mark Zuckerberg and stuff is that they actually had anecdotal evidence and actual evidence of the ways in which they are ensuring that their monopolies like the way that on Amazon they'll do you know when you 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 look for something on Amazon one of the first things you see is the sort of Amazon choice right do you know what I'm saying I've only bought two things on Amazon okay and it was two uh, separate occasions where I bought shoe wipes wait are you accidentally like you're accidentally like protesting Amazon. I am not accidentally doing it. I do it on purpose. Okay, I I, I I never go to Amazon. I mean, don't get me wrong. I go to Walmart.com. Okay, but in this case, Walmart it's back to being a small mom and pop compared to Amazon. Walmart has become like bread and butter. Well, I just Forgive hope me. that did, family can survive. I did think that you maybe accidentally de- deleted the Amazon app off your phone and you just didn't know how to get it back. No, I don't even have the Amazon app. And also, as I said on last week's episode I, about the Amazon boxes that smile back at the employees, yes. I got a DM from an employee saying that, yes, indeed, those make him want to stab everybody <laughs> and make him want to go crazy. And that smile is nothing more than a smirk directed right at the employees that make sure everything gets delivered in a timely fashion so you don't have to go to Target. But one of the things that Amazon does to kill off competitors, because not only is Amazon a platform, it's also a place that makes products as well. Absolutely. So what they'll do, in in the example that they brought up in the hearing was that uh, they had a diaper competitor on Amazon, but Amazon made its own diapers. So what it did was, it slashed its own prices so drastically that it actually cost Amazon $200 million to go undercut diapers.com. And then diapers.com wow. had to be bought up by Amazon because they could not compete with Amazon. Yes. And then uh, once, the, once that little battle was over, then they raised the price back up to normal. And, the, and you know, alas, they had consumed diapers uh, <laughs> and, and, won the, and won that little uh, fight. And that, that's, right. a fight that, that, I mean, that that, is, that's a fight that takes place in every sort of product on Amazon, though. And that is why, again, we're seeing the erosion of individuals being able to make a living even selling on, e-com- uh, even selling on e-commerce, right? So we had the situation where brick and mortar, as of the past, I would say, 15 years the idea of having brick and mortar it has become more and more and more impossible that is your standard walmart taking your mom and pops walgreens taking your small town pharmacies out of business doing exactly in the tangible sense what bezos is now doing in the cyber sense but when we talk about free market 
That is not what it was intended to be. If these people are allowed to be undercut the way that Amazon can undercut them, they are now at such a critical mass. He has, he has amassed so much money. I mean, what do you do? How can anyone compete with Amazon? There is zero way. And now, as I was watching C-SPAN, because I'm a pretty cool guy, I was watching C-SPAN, and um, you notice these people are all so bought and sold, and it's so obvious when you look at the beverages that are in front of them. I was watching the testimony with William Barr, and Jim Jordan is there, of course, Jim Jordan. He's cool because he doesn't wear jackets, and he doesn't even care if his assistant coach is a rapist. Of course, that is a wrestling reference to him in high school, and he was a wrestling coach. One of his partners got into a bit of trouble, and uh, Mr. Jordan, uh, he hiked up his sleeves once again. To sweep that under the rug. Yeah, and he said, walk it off. Walk it off. Jim Jordan, you see him sitting there. He's got a Pepsi and a Starbucks. Have you ever seen <laughs> anyone drink Starbucks and Pepsi together? Has any of you ever sat down for lunch, Travis? You're a coffee guy. Yeah. You love yeah. your caffeine. Have you ever sat down and been like, I could go for a Pepsi and a coffee right now? Look, in my darkest days, like waking up from a hangover... Uh, after drinking like five bottles of wine, I've definitely gone. I've definitely gone in strange directions with sure. my beverages to the yeah. point where, like, why? Let's why? Say, let's I, you say know, I've mixed. I've mixed diet coke and coffee in the same cup before. Well, I should Is have it, asked but, you but, this question. But I should have. But I. But I am saying it was a dark, dark period of my life where well, I mixed diet coke and coffee in the same cup. What I am saying is, Travis, that was the worst. You just did not help me out whatsoever. Okay, if you're Travis Morningstar and you were going through an alcoholic bender of nothing but white wine for some reason because <laughs> you wanna, I don't, you wanna feel like J Lo, then yes, maybe coffee and and uh, and soda will I, work. Jim Jordan, sitting member of Congress, I am throwing myself on the pyre to I make know, a point that it is a bad idea. It is a bad idea, but no, you know for a fact that no one actually drinks that unless they're extremely hungover. And if Jim Jordan was that hungover, he should not be in charge of a, of a, uh, of a committee hearing uh, when it comes to interviewing Bill Barr. Uh, of course, someone who I would love to see out of power forever because this man is so condescending and so stupid. He makes, he makes Bill Clinton asking what the meaning of is, is seem reasonable. He is just such a schmuck. By the way, Bill Clinton... Who knows if that dude ends up in cuffs at some point. This Ghislaine Maxwell stuff. We'll talk more about that on Side Stories. But woohoo! he and Alan Dershowitz might be sharing a cell the same way they shared underage girls. Disgusting. Jim Jordan and all of these people, you can just see how bought and sold they are by massive corporations. And that is my only issue. And of course, you know, people do say that they should be dressed like NASCARs where they should wear suits of all the sponsors that they have. Absolutely. And I think that they totally should. He would have to wear a jacket for that. But my concern is, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, Travis, when it comes to Amazon, when it comes to them attacking Amazon or trying to do like uh, this horse and pony show where it's like, we need to break you up. Do you think that's ever going to happen? I mean, how deep when you have that much money and now you are so you are now in the uh, you are in the roots of this democracy. Amazon, Jeff Bezos is in the roots of this democracy now. He is feeding the plants that we see on the surface, uh, these plants being our leaders. Do you think that they would ever actually do anything, or is this just total horse and pony show political gamesmanship? Well, so a couple things. The, the, what I was referring to with the sort of the distinction from former hearings and this hearing is yeah. that the legislators actually seem to know some technical like details to what is happening with this stuff whereas formally it was all 
they seem to have brought in the most geriatric, yeah, non-savvy, non-tech people to talk to the most savvy tech people in the entire world. Yes. Now it seems they're getting to the issue of of actual what, why, why, and how these companies get away with monopolies. I don't think this this hearing is not is not going to do anything, no. but. It is a good indicator of the fact that we are moving towards internet antitrust laws, um, because the, the entire everybody in that room just right. is has a target on these four CEOs' heads. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. When booking with other vacation rental apps sounds like this. This place doesn't look like the pictures. Ah, is there a door behind all those spiders? It's time to try one that sounds more like a vacation. Ah, this is perfect. Relax, you booked a Verbo. And of course, these CEOs will always be fine. This isn't a criminal investigation. This is just an investigation to see if their business practices should be allowed to go forward because technically, these businesses are operating within the law. We are so at, the law has to change. We are at the, the base of the mountain yes. of this fight uh, to break these big companies. I mean, you have... You so, have okay, so how does that work then? So Because you, you know these people are still going to get their money. No, so you break up about, something like Amazon, but you know Bezos, they're never not going to get their money. So even if you break up something like Amazon, that's going to just splinter into a series of groups that are just going to be under a larger umbrella company that is still going to end up funneling itself to that bald maniac that anything, is Jeff Bezos. Anything to break it up as it is now. like yeah. Because right now, you, you they are... Not only this is not. I think some people get the idea that this is like entropy. Like, oh, you have this great big company, and that the reason why it's becoming so big is because right. it's efficient and like they do all this. No, these are predatory companies. Yes. Um, one of the examples seems kind of innocuous, but it, it was like, why is why are they being such assholes? Uh, Google will do this thing. Well, it'll take because you know Google has reviews of different restaurants and everything on its own search site mm -hmm. um, but then you can go to a place like Yelp which is a separate bent, a separate entity a separate business yeah. a, a, a different organization altogether but what what uh, Google will do is scrape reviews from Yelp and put them on Google as their own and say this is this is our content they're and, but stealing they can do reviews that, but they can do that for anything they'd like and Yelp all Yelp can say is please don't do that because the only way people come to us is because your, you know, Google is the search engine. Right. Google is the way that we is the portal to all of these different websites. Um, in another way, uh, that monopolies have happened. You know, Facebook. They, I don't, I don't know how many people realize this. Instagram is a part of Facebook. I mean, it's one and the same. Of course. But the way in which Instagram became a part of Facebook is that Mark Zuckerberg basically threatened the owner of Instagram, and he said, "Listen, we're copying." We're making clones of your the different sort of mechanisms that make your product successful. It seems a bit like extortion. And they basically said, you either let us buy you or you're about to experience, 
you know, you're about to experience. You're, the, entering, you're the, entering a world of pain. You're about to experience the, the weight of free capital, or free enterprise, bitch. Like over the line, Smokey. But they uh, they had a they basically made an Instagram clone called Facebook Camera, and that was going to be Instagram. But they said, Ugh. look, if you if you don't let us buy you, we'll just put this out on the market, and it'll probably so, be a good competitor. So you might as well let us buy you before now, we smash you. Of course, the elephant in the room here is that people are going to these places. Amazon doesn't exist if people don't go to it. But as we're learning with the American consumer, there isn't a full understanding of what product or what entity they're even playing with. So if you go on to Amazon and you think that you're supporting some small business or some small new product, Amazon obviously is gonna get a cut. They also charge a fee to be on their website so the actual product that you're buying that you think may be going to a startup or maybe going to a smaller business that did create something that's super cool and if there's not proprietary um uh, if it's not proprietary in any way then amazon will just rip it off right away if it is they'll figure out a way to rip it off later but you still are not supporting the people that you think you're supporting and i don't mean i guess the only way to go around that is from the from our perspective from the mass people perspective i know it's super convenient but you just got to try to avoid it as much as you possibly can uh, because we are also the ones. If, if you're Amazon, you know Jeff Bezos is like, yeah, but they keep on going to my website. So it's also on the consumer to be a little bit more intelligent when it comes to these huge corporations that we're feeding. Now, the flip side of that is oftentimes these are the only things that are left. Well, the, you know, if you problem, destroy everything, then the um, then the American consumer doesn't have a choice. The illusion of choice in this country right now, much like politics or politically speaking, it's extremely limited. Hence the term illusion and the illusion of choice when it comes to being a consumer is also dwindling right before our eyes. The Well, and the problem also is that we are we are looking we're on the outside looking into a world that we barely understand. The reason yeah. why. The reason why Apple products are so successful is because they're intuitive and they're they're like anybody can use them, right? Yes. But we don't have laws really that keep these co- corporations from eating up other online corporations. And the one antitrust law that they refer to in this hearing is from 1914, before <laughs> right before any of this, right? Like right. way like hundred wow. years uh, before this, and so we don't have laws. So right in place. now, hold on a second. So right now in America, the most recent antitrust law that has been passed is from 1914. I this is before television. Well, I don't want to say that for definitively, but the one they refer to in this the one they refer to is, is from 1914. Maybe it's yeah. time to update that a little bit. Um, all right. Well, we will keep you updated on uh, on what's going on. Well, and with I also Big just want to yes, say, please, of course. The another thing that makes okay, so we are approaching antitrust laws for these internet giants, but do you how close do you think we actually are though? Far away, but approaching. Okay. I, I mean, I honestly think that this is very much like the um, the smoking. Uh, remember the the big hearing for big tobacco? Oh yes, where all these guys, all these CEOs had to be lined up, and they're like, "Do you believe nicotine is addictive?" And the nah. guy stood up and he was like, "Nicotine is absolutely not addictive. Not addictive. Uh, nicotine <laughs> is not addictive." As they speak through voice boxes, although most of the CEOs did not smoke, uh, which was very interesting. But when you have, you know. All of these politicians use all of these products, like you said. We are all using yes. these things. We're creating But at the it, same yes. time, when those big tobacco hearings were happening, everyone was smoking as well. True, true. So you, once, you have, once you have politicians 
that actually maybe uh, are in the pocket of these things and are actually using the products. But once you have them turning on you in this kind of public way, I think you have to expect some some kind of legislation is going to come of it, even if it is small and incremental. But then, but also to that point, though, about how these people never actually lose money. Big Tobacco got into the anti-tobacco game. So Big Tobacco gotta, got into Nicorette. You got to whack the mole, though. You got to do the I whack know, the mole. You got but I'm it. just saying Big Tobacco never even really, other than the fine they had to pay, they're doing better than ever because now they're in the vape game. Now they have the anti-tobacco tobacco market, the tobacco market, and of course they're also getting they into that get, sweet like, sticky icky. They did basically like move from guns into laser guns, right? Yeah, like, they just, <laughs> no, they went from guns to bulletproof vests. <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, this is not, now we're going to help fix, this is, you know, this is uh, Henry and I pitched a show called Cheddar Lake many years ago, <laughs> and Herman Cain was the main archetype for our su- for our super villain who was selling a thing called Squeeze, right? And then Squeeze was causing people to go crazy, and then he also had the cure for Squeeze, yada yada yada. He ran a Law and Order platform, create the problem to then run on a platform to solve the problem. That's exactly what I could see Amazon doing. They have created this problem, and now they're going to be the so called solution to this problem, and that is why we have this ever spinning ball that feels like it's a Above us constantly in this world of power that never changes hands because they just then they they were like well we'll fix it then and then you know much like well, big tobacco you just make money off of still your product even if it's countering your product but the thing is with t- the comparison to big tobacco we were when we were confronting big tobacco we are trying to say that this entire product is harmful to people we're not saying social media is harmful necessarily, although there are crazy harmful effects that uh, targeted advertising yes, and indeed. the sort of the the inducing hatred and like in, in uh, suggesting hate groups to people yep. on Facebook and stuff. One thing I did notice about the hearings is that the Democrats were were coming forward with these kind of like detailed tech questions that right. really that really kind of address the the problems that are maybe uh, unseen to the layperson. But then the Republicans, their whole big thing is anti-conservative bias. Like yes. that is their that is their their like main the thing myth. that they talk to Jim uh, Jim, Jim Jordan. That was his that was his main thing that he talked about. Matt Gates. They they all they want to talk about is anti conservative bias. And the it fact is that, a myth. And the fact that half of this this hearing is split on okay, we want we want internet monopolies to not exist. That's one side of it. And the other side is be nicer to conservatives. That is going to be a problem yeah. when it comes to crafting legislation because. You can't pull this. You got you know you you have two different carriages pulling in different directions, yeah. and that's a way that these tech guys are going to be able to wriggle out of any kind of legislation if if that were uh, to come up. That is the two different sides. That's why again, uh, when it comes to the enemy of my enemy is my friend, not always. We live in this world of binary thinking where someone will see someone like an Ann Coulter who doesn't like Donald Trump, and then you'll see someone on the left being like, I agree with Ann Coulter, and it's like, no, you actually don't just because she doesn't like Donald Trump. It's because he's not extreme enough. And in this case, uh, just because conservatives and uh, or just because Republicans and Democrats are both angry with big tech, it is for totally different reasons. The idea that social media has an anti-conservative bias is one of the bigger lies that has been permeated through the, over these past three years, social media has been a safe haven uh, for uh, for conservative thought for a long time. Maybe the CEOs themselves are air quotes liberal. I don't even know if that's possible to be someone who is 
uh, pro the working man and woman and pro middle class after you are the reason that the entire middle class in places like San Francisco has been completely eradicated. They are the problem. I don't care if they say uh, proper things in public. You know, these people are not in my in my consideration. Uh, liberal in any sense of the word, but you have two different reasons for going after big tech. So we also have to remember that just because someone is like, screw big tech, it doesn't necessarily mean they're doing that for the proper reason. And the idea of conservative bias, as we have seen with Facebook specifically, still the most I believe the 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 largest social media platform in the world by by yeah leagues. Yeah. It is just it's a total and utter nonsense. If they want to just blatantly complain that uh, KKK sites or white supremacy sites are being taken down, then you can complain about that. And if you want to lump those sites into your conservative ideology, I think you need to take a look in the mirror and uh, say the Candyman's name a couple of times so he can come over and talk to you about race relations. And I mean, the problem too with a place like Facebook Facebook becoming a monopoly and eating up all of its competitors is that it has no accountability. None. So you have, I mean, we, this, we, we hear about this every week, trying to hold face, trying to hold Mark Zuckerberg accountable for the material and the content that are, that is on his website. And he just acts like a fucking lost Android. I what? No uh, way. I can't, I it, can't do that. If you don't have other competing sites that people can go to, or if you don't have if you don't have any kind of other competition, you have this one place that has no accountability, and yeah. they the pretty much the editorial control is like old yellow journalism, which is if it bleeds, it leads. Absolutely. All, so Absolutely. that that leads to a bunch of hate filled shit spewed well, across the uh, spewed across your timeline on and, Facebook. And we'll move on here and talk about affordable housing. But just lastly on that, it's easy to say, well, they can get off of it, get off of Facebook, get off of Twitter, get off of Instagram. I get all of that. And I, you can, you can do that. But now, as we're seeing, I was just talking to my friend Matt, who's in Wisconsin. Both he's got a seven and a five year old. They're both now going to school virtually. It's all online. Yeah. So say, that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother massive tech boom, a massive tech bubble that's going to be filled by these huge corporations. It's going to be Amazon sponsored classrooms. And now what kind of information are we going to be getting? Now what kind of information are we actually going to be uh, receiving when it comes to the market, when it comes to capitalism, when it comes to who we are as a country? If Amazon's in control, which is where it's going, if Amazon's in control of our education platforms, good luck having a teacher tell the truth about how these corporations have ran over and destroyed the middle class of this country. You know what I'm saying? They're going to be controlling. I'm, I'm, as <laughs> Texas and California control the textbooks, Amazon and Facebook, Jack, these these tech giants, that is the new that is the new Texas and uh, and California conundrum when it comes to textbooks. They're going to be controlling the narrative. Yeah, I guess I guess I'm trying to wonder like because the classrooms are done through video like teleconferencing it'll stuff. all be zoom well, and I'm stuff just imagining like, that. like what exactly you what you're saying will translate to a video platform but i guess you could have like a um like a racist background filter like like a teacher could have like a uh like a background image in their video of like a happy plantation. I don't. They're like, this is actually what it was like. This is what it was like back in, <laughs> See, what, what was it, Tom Cotton who said it was a necessary evil. Yeah, like, and I'm like, maybe we don't need to call I'm slavery use, a necessary evil. I'm going to use evil. the necessary evil background on my Zoom, uh, my Zoom I call. I think he's just on to something. Also, slavery, we could have had an amazing country without slavery. We did not need slavery. It was not a necessary evil. It was just evil. And uh, I'm so sorry 
that uh, the South didn't think it could live without it. Uh, because obviously that is why we fought a freaking war. All right, well, let's talk about affordable housing. So the Federal Department of Housing and Urban Development, that's known as HUD, defines an affordable dwelling as a household that one can obtain for 30% or less of its income. But this varies from city to city. So let's just take that for what it is. So a household that you can obtain for 30% or less of your income. Uh, New York doesn't have affordable housing. LA does not have affordable housing. That is a extremely um, subjective way to calculate what makes affordable housing. And I actually think it is a total disgrace to the whole idea of affordable housing and the entire idea of the American dream. If you need to spend more than 30% on buying your home, on having a place to live, there is something wrong with our system. Affordable housing at 30% should just be the norm. Don't you think? I mean, 30% when you go out, you also need to you need to buy food. You need to have a car. You need you just need to be able to live uh healthcare. Uh we're not even if you're putting if you are putting more than 30% in to the way you live or where you live, that is something wrong with our system if that is considered to be low income housing. Well, in cities most most people. Oh my pay, God! New York is crazy. Most people pay seventy percent. Is seventy fifty percent of their income is like pretty, I would say pretty normal. I, I mean normal in the sense that it is common. Because uh, I know I certainly paid. I mean half of my income went to rent in New York. Yeah. Um, maybe a little less in L.A. But uh, so for example, a household is considered quote low income if it makes less than eighty percent of the median income in the local area. So by this definition, a dwelling is considered, quote, affordable for low-income families if it costs less than 24% of the area's median income. So we have a situation where these massive, um, you know, we have a lot of we have a lot of high rises going up, which are jacking up the rent prices, specifically in New York. They went crazy. They were building. Uh, I have no idea who can afford to live in these buildings. They were building so many apartment complexes. I think a lot of them are money laundering schemes because real estate is one of the dirtiest businesses that there is. The Chinese and the Russian oligarchs, they buy a lot of these properties. They do that as well here uh, in Los Angeles. So because they have these massive structures raising the rent of all the properties around, this has to raise all of the food costs, all of the restaurant costs, everything goes up. But the problem is there is no one actually filling these new apartments so that everything has gone up but the wealthy people that are supposed to go if you build it they will come they don't want to be in new york or they don't want to be in la whatever it might be so you have property values going through the roof and it's still the same middle class people trying to live there and that's how they get squeezed out and that's why we're seeing just straight up vacant freaking massive structures in places like new york yeah i mean uh i honestly hope that the this pandemic because we've you know we're an example of this people leaving cities that they maybe thought they were once like they needed to stay in for their job or whatever people are leaving cities and and maybe hopefully that kind of normalizes just people living anywhere in the country because we everyone is just crammed into these different corners of the country in la yep. and new york which causes you know crazy but but you're right like uh if you go to any city in America, there has, there's like one or at least one or like a couple buildings that are just like where a chic 
is storing their Kawasaki motorcycles. Oh my god, it's all over the place. And then not to mention, the cheaper housing is like further away from where a lot of the jobs are. So now, sure, you just get yourself a cheaper house. Maybe it is technically a low-income house. Now you've got gas. Now you've got car repairs. You have all of these things. And this is why, again, we're dealing with, and we're going to talk about the Heels Act here in a second also, we're dealing with a system that is so broken, people are realizing they're better off with a UBI than they are going to work because of all of these exterior costs that the government had can't even fathom i mean the audacity of our government to not be able to understand how difficult it is to make ends meet these people are treading water and when you tread water you're working your ass off you're sore as shit and as soon as you get out you need to go to bed and then the next day you just do the same damn thing over and over again like it's groundhog's day uh, but there is no happy ending you don't find love at the end you just find uh, a sad death in some sort of run-of-the-mill retirement or old folks home so there is no no, when it comes to the rat race, at the very least, the rat race implies movement. We are in like the rat stagnation. We are in like the rat, like there ain't, there ain't no one running anywhere. People are treading water. And that is, again, why we are seeing the middle class get destroyed. No one can get, um, you know, pull, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. We don't have people wearing fucking shoes right now. No, we are, you know, I mean, so that's what today, we need to address. And that's why when Donald Trump sent that tweet out, when Donald Trump sent the tweet out about housewives in the suburbs, I don't know why that's my, my voice that I just did. Housewives in the suburbs, housewives in the suburbs don't need to worry about low income people coming and ruining your property value, all this bullshit. That was not even, I'm so sick of the term dog whistle. This is straight up a dog bone. This is a big ass dog bone yeah. for a dog from the, from the sandlot. This, 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 this dog has the biggest bone in the history of dog bones. That's his constituents. That whole notion is a total lie. The whole idea that low income uh, housing promotes violence is actually statistically not been proven. Uh, if you want to look at, again, what is promoting violence, it's because people are being devastated. They are forced into these tent cities, or at the very least, they don't personally see an option uh, away from doing like a tent city type thing because they can't afford rent where they are and they've lost their job, whatever it may be. So that whole idea is actually a total lie. Just because you're poor doesn't mean you're a criminal. And that's exactly what Donald Trump is alluding to, yeah, is course. that poor people are criminal, naturally. And so your suburban dream and again, we can break this economic and racial uh, connection here. Your suburban dream is going to not be ruined anymore by those brown people or those poor people, uh, because, of course, there's a lot of poor whites as well. It's also I mean, it's it's uh, very quaint to be talking about. <laughs> it's very quaint to be talking about the middle class right now. But what is this like his whole love, his whole vision of like the housewife? and husband this 1950s leave it to beaver reality that didn't even really exist then i mean that's what he is selling well it, i mean that's it really... his, that's the that's the vision he's selling right and so that's the vision that we're gonna have to vote on november 3rd or is that delayed we don't know because he's also selling he's also he's also already said whatever happens november 3rd it's going to be a fraudulent election and this is going to be a whole nother shit show that we will be covering obviously right here on abling and stop at but he's selling this vision and i'm just wondering you know, is that is that going to be enough for him to get that suburban vote back? Because don't don't forget the suburban vote. They're still watching, you know, some of the uh, the rioting. They're watching some of the protesting and in their minds. They're next. They're the next community to come and get ruined. And so that's what Donald Trump is relying on that fear. So please don't give into it. 
Well, I, 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 the, the reason I was saying it's quaint to be even talking about the middle class is because the U.S. just experienced the um, the worst contraction of economic growth in the history of the country. Yay! Uh, but they, apparently the uh, the GDP plunged by 32.9%. So basically the economy contracted by a third. Like we were, we were hanging economic dong and now our penis is inside of our body hey all right well you can't hit me in the nuts if the nuts are up inside we we are in such bad shape the idea that there is like the the idea that you're just talking to the middle class which is completely going to be eroded by like i don't even know what i would say by november like i really i I, we the fact that people aren't running around screaming with their hair on fire right now is well you know, is, is amazing in itself. You, you know me, Travis. I talk to a lot of Uber drivers. Well, you, that's and, where you get uh, that my is a Uber. <laughs> my Uber driver today. My my Uber driver, Larry Cudlow. Yes, was saying, indeed. My Uber driver today. He was telling me the bills don't stop, and I said, "No, they don't, sir." And he said he woke up at six o'clock in the morning. And you know how late he's going to work tonight? Six p.m. He works from six a.m. to six p.m. every day. He said the bills don't stop. Well, and I said, uh, "Yes, indeed, they do not." And uh, the government needs to help us out. And you know what? That Uber driver agreed. You know the bills do stop if you're in the House and the Senate, though. <laughs> Because uh, we, we got the Hill, we got the Heels Act uh, that Mitch McConnell proposed. Well, let's talk about that in one second. Just want to go back to affordable housing here briefly. Uh, this is uh, from a Vox article that I thought was quite interesting. Uh, this is how can we make uh, housing more affordable? There are two different uh, types of policies, basically. So first, the government could directly give money or discounted housing to low-income families. So this is sort of the the UBI approach. What we're seeing now. Um, by the same token, families that receive more money can afford a wider range of houses. So that is just straight up government to uh, citizen. Like, here's some cash. Go buy a house. It's allocated for that reason. You can't spend this money on anything but that. Another idea is policymakers could increase the number of dwellings in given metropolitan areas. Uh, this could be done either by relaxing restrictions on the size of buildings that can be built or by relaxing restrictions that mandate minimum sizes of individual dwelling units. Cities tend to have a number of zoning rules that artificially restrict the supply of housing in New York. I believe it was 15 percent of all new buildings had to be affordable housing. Mm. And I'm not sure if that's been rescinded or not, but those are two different approaches. I believe what I would say is um, every single new massive structure that is being bought by these land developers uh, needs to include affordable housing and it needs to be at least 30% of the buildings. This is, again, poor people are not violent. They are not, most of them are not poor because of actions of their own. Um, this is a uh, historic problem. This is a generational problem. And that is why we find ourselves where we are. So those are two possible solutions. And, uh, and I, I would tend to go with the latter um, in city life and the former in a more of a rural life because obviously they're not going to be building as many large-ass apartment complexes in rural Utah as they will be in downtown Brooklyn. So help the people out. Give them some money allocate it to a house because that is the american dream and that is something that we have been promised and something we deserve as these corporations get trillions and trillions of our tax dollars as we still drive down bumpy roads and have schools that are full of lead paint so that's what i would say but let's go on then and talk about how the government is helping people who still have bills to pay as my uber driver said who still have bills to pay and are just at their wits end their backs are against the wall 
what's the heels act all about and uh how are we looking this is the republican well this so, is the republican act uh, obviously to to counteract the heroes act and again the acronyms i wish they would spend more time on the bills not the acronyms but it is so what it is. the part of stimulus uh that we're at is is supposed to be you know the basically phase four of this stimulus act yes um, I do just want to give a quick timeline on because it's been a well, and let's just let's just clarify what the Heals Act is. It's health, economic assistance, liability protection, and schools or Heals health, economic assistance, liability protection, which I know Travis wants to talk about, and schools. Well, don't you love that acrostic? The one that's like <laughs> you you uh, it's called Heals, and you start. When you're making an acrostic, you want to start the first word as the same word that the acrostic is spelling. So health, health, yes, uh, heels, um, and all the other words sort of seem like uh, schools or like uh, uh, ec- economy. And then um, a very specific one, liability protection is thrown in there. Yes, corporate liability shields. Um, but so let me give a quick timeline of okay. where how we got to this point. Which, by the way, is, you know, this is the 31st. This is when the unemployment insurance benefits officially end. The last payments did go out last week, as we were talking about. Uh, But officially, this was the last day. Uh, July 31st was the last day for the House and Senate to pass a bill that uh, helped helped everyone who who needs these unemployment insurance benefits. Um, But so in March, March, uh, we... You know, we created the CARES Act. That's the big uh, multi-trillion-dollar spending bill that you know you got your you got your check from. You got your unemployment insurance, the PPP, and then in uh, May fifteenth, the Democrats in the House said that they wanted to do the Heroes Act, and then that was an that was going to be an extension of uh, of all this stuff. Yes, Uh, and that would have gone. That would have extended everything until next year. And of course, the Republicans were upset with the Heroes Act, oh, they, as we have talked about as well. I think it's annoying that a lot of the pork that they were putting in there, such as saving the Kennedy Center, which again, doesn't need to be saved, doesn't need money, probably not. The Republicans, uh, they did something just as bad, if not worse. They allocated $29 billion plus uh, for the Pentagon. The military industrial complex is making bank on this Heels Act, and it doesn't really do a lot. For a lot of people who would need this the most, such as people who need hazard pay, perhaps folks are injured on the job, for people uh, who just need help in general. Well, so, uh, yeah, so in uh, in May, the, the Democrats in the House said, hey, let's pass the HEROES Act, which was yes. like around $3 trillion was the plan. Now, the, the Republicans in the Senate, they have had all this time since May 15th to come up with something. You have had all summer to come up with a plan and the plan that they have come up with is two trillion dollars away from the heroes act and that is the heels bill yeah and so it should be heels as in like h-e-e-l which means, yes, it means you're bad in wrestling um but so here's where we are july 31st all of these benefits are expiring for millions 34 million people who are using these benefits uh and we don't have a compromise no. so you have the republicans no. with one trillion that's they're not going to go past one trillion yeah democrats are not going to go below three trillion and we are on the, <laughs> the the homework is due right today they uh will not budge and the thing that the going back to the corporate liability shield that is mitch mcconnell's red line like he will not yes he will not accept any version of a bill without protecting corporations and, from any kind of lawsuit involving coronavirus which means 
if these corporations are going to make, they want people to go back to work and they don't want anyone to complain about it. They want everyone to be Herman Cain. They want it. Dead. They want to Herman Cain everyone in the country. So and they don't want anyone to be able to uh, file lawsuits against these corporations. And we talk about uh, you know dead on arrival. Oftentimes that's you know another term for the poison pill or something like that, where one of the parties will put something in that they know for a fact will never pass the other party. And this is why we uh, need to have. We can talk about that skinny bill as well. Uh, but we need to have more. We need to have less legislation jammed into one, uh, and we need to have more single legislation. Well, there in my is. Personal the, opinion. Speaking of this, the skinny bill would have been uh, just passing a curtailed unemployment insurance benefit thing. So basically, the skinny bill, quote unquote, would have been uh, giving people two hundred extra dollars unemployment yes. insurance benefits. So as but at the same time, yeah. Pelosi is saying, "Why are we? We're not. We're so far apart." Why are we worried about this one tiny bit of the bill? We we are so far apart that none of this will matter if we just kick the can a little bit further. Um, I um, feel like that really should matter, though, and I think they should do 400, as we said last week, split the difference. I mean, it's not that difficult to come up with some kind of compromise. I know it's an election year, but my God, this is according to Bernie Sanders, and I usually don't quote uh, Bernie too much, but I will do it now because I think he's completely correct on this. He called the legislation, quote, appalling, and when we talk about the people that are going to be impacted. We talked about this a little bit last week. There's a lot of poor-ass Republicans struggling right now who are looking at footage, and Donald Trump is telling them that if Joe Biden is elected, that's going to be Biden's America. And once again, we are in Trump's America. You like this? Four more years of this. This is not Biden's America. Dude ain't in office. This is all Trump. He's had three years to do this. This is his America. Um, And I think that's something that we have to remember, and the Democratic Party needs to get back to its rural base that created what the Democratic Party was supposed to be, which was a party for the working man and the working woman. This is what Bernie Sanders had to say. He says, workers on farms, in grocery stores, in hospitals, in meatpacking plants, and across the country have been risking their lives for low pay to keep this country running. He goes on to say, we must give them more than lip service. They deserve hazard pay, sick sick leave, health care, and safe workplaces I don't think that sounds extreme. Well, you're not going to get any of that shit. So here's what's... <laughs> Damn, Travis. Well, so here's what... I mean, honestly, what's going to happen is the Democrats, they... Give it to me a little softer this, than that. This HEROES Act, the three the three trillion is not going to fly. No. The, the basically, we're going to get this $1 trillion bill um, that includes um, money for... It includes $2 billion for building a new FBI building. Oh! <gasps> <laughs> they need the new building. They need it. They need I it. thought the Republicans didn't like the FBI. Isn't that they weird? Want, it's almost like it's all fake. Trump wants it built next to the White House. Huh. Um, so here's what the Heels bill has, and it's a bill. It's a trillion dollars, uh, three hundred billion for stimulus checks, another round, uh, three hundred billion for tax breaks, uh, one hundred fifty billion for PPP 2.0. Uh, so that's Ooh. another round of. Uh, Loans for businesses and a hundred billion in health spending, a hundred billion in unemployment. So that unemployment insurance benefit is going to be gouged. So that six hundred dollars, thirty billion to the Pentagon. That's that uh, that's six hundred dollars a week extra unemployment insurance benefits is not coming back. It's going to be two hundred, if not lower. Um, and then a hundred billion for education spending, um, roughly uh, one trillion dollars altogether. And of course, we have someone who is so disconnected when it comes to education. Uh, there are I, there's never been a, a worse administration when it comes to education in the history of this country. Betsy DeVos um, gloating 
that something about 0.02% of kids, they were the only ones who could possibly even get sick from COVID. Still like 14,000 people. The whole thing is being the whole the whole process has now become so politicized that nothing rational is coming to the forefront no nothing I mean, rational i mean the whole day i've just been watching um different like pressers from today what all, an exciting of, day you had i know right wow you're a pretty cool guy Travis. all of today is the whole point of the news today is for the white house to blame democrats for not getting this uh, a bill passed. The and whole, their, their whole tactic right now is just to be like, "Well, look what we're look where the Democrats got you." Yeah. As if as if people give a shit right now. The people are losing their jobs. Exactly. People's, people's friends and families are dying. And, and this is why when I talk, do you think anyone gives a shit that you're saying? Look at what the Democrats did. Nobody cares. Uh, other than they're upset with they're upset with everybody, and they should be because this is just not this is not a functioning government this is not how it was supposed to be as a matter of as a matter of fact speaking of, speaking of functionality one of the things that really hurt our democracy was when harry reid got rid of uh the supermajority in the filibuster in the sense that you could not filibuster it used to take 60 now all it takes is 51 to 49 boom you can filibuster now we have a situation where barack obama has been talking about this to try to get some kind of um fluidity between bills that are passed in the house to go to the Senate, go to the president's desk. Can you imagine now we just have basically rule by executive order? And of course, the irony is all these Republicans that voted for Trump and support Trump, uh, they would just criticize uh, Barack Obama as being the executive order in chief, uh, even though he had less executive orders than Bush and Bill Clinton. Nonetheless, we have such a broken system. The executive order is now so mainstream that Donald Trump just tweets about it. And he's just like, I'm just going to do an executive order. And there really is no massive backlash because everything in Congress is so stagnant and gridlocked so that the president can say it doesn't make any sense to go to Congress right. because it doesn't get done. So I'm just going to do it myself. And that is, again, a massive problem. And I think uh, Barack Obama saying that he would like to get rid of the filibuster is an interesting step. I think we should just go back to 60-40 because that's the way it should be. Yeah, and so he... he said he was going to that we should remove the filibuster at John Lewis's funeral. Yes, John Lewis RIP. Um so I mean if he's saying that at such a big public event that means that basically Biden is going to do it. But if, that means I mean but that is actual good change yeah. when it comes to the uh, functionality of our government. If you are like Travis and I, if you well like me, I I, I like my I, little I drink bit. coffee and diet coke mixed together. Well, so we're, I, you're, you're a psychopath, but you watch C-SPAN and you just see the functionality of these hearings and you see the theater and you realize how it's all broken and how none of it actually leads to legislation that advances any cause uh, that could lead to a better America and perhaps doing away with something like the filibuster is uh, a good way uh, to go. But of course, the difficulty of doing away with the filibuster is every time uh, a party is in power, uh, they really like that filibuster because it certainly gives them a hell of a lot more control, yeah. which is why it's so difficult to get any kind of change functional change within Congress itself, because it's the same thing that we're seeing with the police. It's the same thing that we've seen in industries across the board. When you're in it and it's not in your best interest to change, it's extremely difficult to actually create that change. And it takes people, all of us, to stand up and say, this is a change that we demand and hold their feet to the fire until they do it. But it's easier said than done. God knows that there's a lot of people who look at that White House and have some very 
aggressive thoughts, just ask the one and only Henry Zabrowski. <laughs> All right, and just lastly, kind of a softball story here. After Dr. Fauci threw out the first pitch, it was a horrible pitch indeed, uh, Donald Trump tweeted out, the New York Yankees asked me to throw out a first pitch also. Uh, however, the New York Yankees never asked him to throw out the first pitch. They did not know anything about that. So Donald Trump rescinded uh, his request to throw out the first pitch. He said, you know what? I declined. He declined to throw out the first pitch after the New York Yankees did not ask him to throw out the first pitch. So there you go. Perfect. And I, I also do have a parting shot of you, my own. Yeah? So uh, in, someone who was almost Herman Cain uh -oh. This past week was uh, Representative Louis Gomer. Gomer! Oh, <laughs> Louis! Oh, damn! I buried the lead, and Gomer. He, and he—he's a guy. He's one of these guys that refuses to wear a mask. Oh, and he, what like, happened? He's to like him? really proud of it. Uh, so he was—he tested positive for COVID. Cool. Um, now the the my parting shot is not that, but it is this letter, this email that um, a Politico journalist got from his got from one of Gomer's aides. And the, um, the email reads, Jake, thank you for letting our office know Louie tested positive for the coronavirus. When you write your story, can you include the fact that Louie requires full staff to be in the office, including three interns, so that we could be an example to America on how to open up safely? When probing, uh -huh. the, when probing the office, you might want to ask how often people were berated for wearing masks. Uh, oh, and my. Then, so it's not, I hate this, like, just be reasonable. And then he, so Louis. It's Gomer like you know goes, what it reminds me of. It reminds me because obviously you don't drink, and I, I did, I did dry July or dry January, and I'm still bragging about it. But you know when people <laughs> are like, "Why don't you drink? Why aren't you drinking?" It's like just leave me the fuck alone. How about how about that? Like you, he's teasing people for wearing a mask. Yeah, uh, and he he came back and he wanted to tell. Apparently, Louis Gomer went back to his office and told all of his staff in person that he tested positive <laughs> after, after, so. Oh his, my God, he's such all, a Gomer. First of all, his office learns that he tested positive from a political article. Great. And then Louis Gomer comes back to the office shaking people's hands one by one. I got I it. I just want to let you know, I got it, I got it, I got it. Gomer, he looks like Yellow Bastard from Sin City. Uh, <laughs> my God, what a crazy. I don't take glee in any of this, um, but it is the only thing that's funny is the hypocrisy. Yeah. It's, it's just the hip. I don't want anyone to get this damn COVID thing. I hate it. Uh, again, be reasonable. You, go, you can go outside, sanitize, wear the mask. Y'all know this shit. I don't got to tell you that. But he's just so proud of being stupid. Well, this is an and example. And that's the problem of in this country. How people are. We are thinking about politics in such a like binary sports team kind of way. It's so bad that you allow your staff, the people that you trust with your career, to be to like to get sick and die. I mean, we just saw Herman Cain died from being a team a team player. Essentially, yes, he did. He died for for the for the Trump team. Even pizza couldn't save the pizza magnate himself. Well, there you go. Just be safe and don't, uh, there's no need to be proud of, of being ignorant. Um, absolutely not. And you know me, I hate this shit. I hate, I hate the frickin', I hate all of us. It's just very, very difficult for my personality type to be dealing with this. But I know it's difficult for all of you, so we Think are in it, it together. Just things are about to get worse. Things are Travis, about to, can you just things are about gonna, to get worse? Don't listen to Travis. He's, he's, he's in love. The, he's doing just fine. The stimulus. It, they're not anywhere on that. We're about to get. We're, everything is about to go to hell. Like no, honestly, no. today it's is all, the today is the day. But you know what? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Um, so isn't that fun? I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know how it helps. That's what Herman Cain should have on his fucking. <laughs> 
What do you want in your tombstone? On your tombstone. Oh my yeah. God, we finally got to the joke that's the most obvious joke of all time. I can't believe we did that. So smart. Yeah. That's why we're amazing broadcasters. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. Hope this was informed. And we are going to change this place. Don't even, I mean, don't not stress it. Stress it a little bit, but also don't uh, don't have it ruin your life. There's a lot of this. It's just a human institution. All of these things can change. This is all created by man and woman, and it can be changed by woman and man. Okay, everyone, thank you for listening. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. The new Willy Wonka Golden Ticket Games from the Virginia Lottery are here. The Scratcher gives you the chance to win up to $100,000. The online game gives you the chance to win up to $1 million. For more information, visit VALottery.com.